Start by singing the Star Spangled Banner. Would you please stand as we do so? Tennessee with a generous offering from our church, a love offering, a revival offering. So 
that will be later in service. If you didn't come prepared today, tomorrow will be the last opportunity to give your revival offering to Brother Keith. So he did. He came here on a, on a love offering with that. Today is what we are going to call Armed Forces Night. It's a special night. Our choir, we're going to be singing a patriotic music with that. But we want to recognize our members of our military and those who have served as veterans in our military. So if you are a member or have served in the military, will you stand up and say, say stand up for a while and look around. Amen. We are blessed to be in a country that can have revival like that. And our country is in great need of revival. And our country was founded on people who came here for religious liberty so we can experience revival. Mr. Ryan Ritchie, come stand up here with me. I want to introduce our testimony tonight. We have a fine young man here. His name is Ryan Ritchie. And I want to tell you how I met him. Remember, Patty, we went and served at this was the 1.20 a.m event when we went to the UK BCM and served uh, chocolate. Yeah, it was all sorts of chocolate with that. So, um, and, you know, I, I saw this young man, and he was a machine. He was just serving and serving and serving, and I started talking to him, and he went around saying, my pleasure. Now, who says my pleasure? Shake filet And he was, he would serve a brownie, say, my pleasure. When they say, thank you, my pleasure, my pleasure. So that's how it was going the whole night. He is in the U.S. Marines, and he is uh, from Cincinnati, and he's a, a senior here at University of Kentucky, and um, God has been doing great things with him, and he's going to share a testimony, and one of the powerful things he's going to share, he's going to share how God has called him to be a Marine. You know, a lot of times we just think of calling as a, in the ministry, but you can be called to serve our country, called to the military. So, Ryan? Good evening, y'all. My name is Lance Corporal Ritchie. You can call me Ryan. Um, yeah, I, I, I woke up this morning and I remember that I had to speak tonight. And, and I, I'll be honest, I was, I was a little terrified this morning. Uh, I, not, not because I had to speak, but because my hair was out of regs and I was supposed to be in uniform. Uh, uh, and then, then it also hit me. My command lives here in Lexington. I don't know what church they go to, so I, I, I had to get that fixed before I came out here tonight. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was fitting to have a Marine here tonight. Uh, we, we've got a line in the Marines hymn that says, uh, If the Army and the Navy ever look on heaven's scenes, they will find the streets are guarded by United States Marines. <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I thought that's, uh, that's my favorite line of the hymn. And uh, it, may, it may seem kind of boastful. Uh, it seemed like it's uh, lacking some humility there. But, but that just means... Even when we die, we can't get out of working parties. Uh, that's, uh, but uh, when, when Pastor Daniel asked me to speak, I, I didn't really know what I was going to talk about. I, I figured I'd come up here and uh, crack some jokes about the Army, the, the Navy, and the Air Force, and, and uh, teach about let brotherly love continue. But uh, <laughs> that's, uh, I took a different route here. I, I really 
right now I'm just a, I'm a boot. That's what people would call me in the Marine Corps. I, I've been in for about two and a half years. I'm a senior here at UK. Uh, at the, um, in January of my freshman year at UK, I decided I was gonna enlist in the Marine Corps. And uh, of course my mom kind of freaked out about that, but uh, I was like, no, no, I, I'm gonna go reserve. I'm gonna come back and finish school and, uh, and then I'll, I'll go active after that. Uh, so that, that's my plan still right now. But uh, really it's uh, a story that started when I was probably uh, 11 or 12. I, I started, a lot of my buddies were going off to ROTC and some of them were trying to get into the academies. And uh, I, I realized that uh, that was something more I, I wanted to do when, when I got done uh, with high school and, and all that. I, I was in Boy Scouts, I was an Eagle Scout, uh, and uh, I, I just, I felt this, this love for country and this, uh, this duty to God that uh, I felt I should be serving my country, serving those who are serving our country also um, in, a, in a spiritual way. And um, one of my big goals with joining the military and joining the Marine Corps was to, to bring a little more faith back to the Marine Corps. Um, I, I know there's, there's some lack of that uh, within the military and that's uh, something that's, that troubles me. Um, so uh, my, my pipeline went just like everyone else. I, I did 13 weeks on uh, Paris Island. Uh, some refer to it as Paradise Island. I, I am not one of those. Uh, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Then I spent a month at, at Camp Lejeune and six months at a, a place we called Fort Lost in the Woods in, in the state of misery. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's no, no mispronunciations there. Uh, <laughs> I, so now on, on Paris Island, we actually had a surprising amount of, of freedom when it came to spiritual things in church. And uh, one of the few things that we got to march ourselves to was to church on Sundays and, and we marched ourselves back. Uh, and they, they even let me do a Bible study in our barracks while the drill instructors were still there. I, I had the freedom to do that. And I had 10 to 12 guys every week that uh, I'd go through scripture with. And, uh, and that was a huge thing. And, and really we had, we had a saying at, at Paris Island and I, I don't know how long this has been around, but I, I know it's been there for a little while, but it was chow to chow and church to church. That was the, the trick to getting through boot camp. You, you live each day for, for the next chow and in the morning you get chow and then you do, do some stuff that's not a whole lot of fun. Then you get another chow and you, you know, you're two thirds of the way done with the day and, and you keep getting closer to the end. Well, every, and then every week on Sunday, we knew that's, uh, that's another week closer to graduation. So we were uh, chow to chow and church to church, getting closer to the, the end of Paris Island. And, uh, and uh, then, then everything would be easy, so we thought. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we really live our lives like this a lot of times. We, we get in this cycle of, of living checkpoint to checkpoint. We think, uh, you know, once I get here, things are going to be easy. Once I get this, things are going to be easy. If I land this job, if I uh, finish this degree, and, and really that's not the case. When, when, I, was, when I was in high school, I, I had this idea that when I'm a senior, things are gonna be easy. I'm almost done. I'm gonna be out of here. Uh, and uh, that's, not, that's not how things worked out. I, you know, I got to UK and I had some hard semesters here. And uh, you know, I, I kept thinking, you know, once I'm done with this semester, things are gonna be easier. I tell you, I've, I've been here for three years and I haven't had my easy semester yet, so I'm, 
maybe next one. Uh, but uh, I'm running out of semesters. Uh, but but really, even this goes back to even as when we were kids. You know, we so many of us look forward to turning 16, and then it's turning 18, then turning 21. And I know some some of you may be looking forward to turning 65. You know, these are. <laughs> These are, these are checkpoints that, that we live for. And we get, this is our, the lifestyle that we live. And we get in this habit of uh, looking so far in the future that we, we forget about where we are. Um, and uh, you know, I, I hear so many kids in college constantly. Who, you know, I know they're out partying and doing who knows what every weekend, sometimes even during the week. And uh, a common thing you hear is, I'm, I'm getting this out of my system now. You know, once I graduate, I'm going to settle down, and this, this won't be my lifestyle anymore. Uh, like they can just flip a switch. Uh, and and it, it makes me think of a New Year's resolution. You, you hear all these people who uh, you know, maybe have a weight problem or maybe have some habits they're trying to kick, and they're like, you know, I'm just going to eat what I want now. And, and then come January 1st, I'm going to start this diet, and I'm going to lose all this weight, and I'm going to do this. And I, you know, my response is, well, it's September, so <laughs> we, we've got a, got a little while. You could, you could get a head start on that. <laughs> but uh, you know, that we, we get in this habit of looking forward um, and, and really like lusting towards the future. And uh, we forget that right now we have everything that we need. Uh, in, in Psalms 23, it tells us that uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, and in the message translation, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need. Uh, so in, instead of living our lives in this constant state of want and desire for the future, we need to be living our lives in a state of thanksgiving for the things that we've been given. Uh, in, in his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says, God made us. Invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is good, just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. Uh, that's, you know, C.S. Lewis said it a whole lot better than I can, but uh, the reality is we have the Spirit of God living it, it within us in every situation, every single day, and he can break every chain that binds us. Our mercies are renewed every morning, and we have the privilege of being adopted by the Most High. The creator of the universe who can part the seas, who can slay giants, move mountains, and heal all sicknesses, cared enough about us to send his only son to die for us and to save us from hell. All he asked of us is to believe in him and trust in him, and we will be saved. So instead of living our lives from chow to chow and church to church, from checkpoint to checkpoint, let us live for him and set our focus on things above. So I'll finish with this. If you're living today with a weight on your chest and you're, you're struggling each day looking for answers, I, I tell you, every answer that we need is at the foot of the cross. Uh, so Christ isn't looking for some future version of ourselves who has everything together. He's not looking for, for someone who's fixed all the things that we've got wrong. 
he sees all the faults. He sees past that, and he says, I love you, and, and he's, still, he's still coming for us. So I, I say, if you, if you don't know him today, I, I ask you to pray where you are now, or feel free to come up to the altar, and we'll be happy to pray with you. But ask him to come into your heart, and he can give you the love that knows no understanding, that neither height nor depth nor anything in creation can separate from you. And, and it's the, the greatest feeling that you could have, ever have.
country choir. Arco's great song, but this land is your land, land is my land. We're going to sing a couple of verses of America the Beautiful, one of the most beautiful hymns written, of course, about our country. Let's stand together as we sing, please.
I want to run up here quick so it'll look like I'm getting those applause, not you, Gail. Wasn't that fantastic? Wow. You are so blessed. Thank you so much. Well, God bless America. Yeah. I want to ask all the folks that stood just a minute ago that serve our country, if you've served in any form or fashion, if you can, I'd like to ask you to come to the front right down here with me. Could you do that real quick? If you can, do it real quick. Some of you serve so good and so long that you may not be able to do that very quick. This is something we do at a lot of our festivals and, and crusades that we do. Uh, I want to thank all of you uh, for your service. We want to thank you for the sacrifice that you made. Many of you lost friends that you worked with every day to defend this country. Many of you have lived with scars, memories, sleepless nights, things that you can't share, and we want to thank you. God knows he brought you through. He brought your families through. You're together, and we do love you. God loves you. He cares about you. Could you stretch your hands out towards these men and women, and let's thank God for them and pray for them right now. Dear God, I thank you for these men and women that have paid the price so that we could be free. Many of them went as young boys and young girls to places far away and did things that no human should have to do. They did it for us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for giving them the strength to endure. And God, I've asked you to bless them tonight. God, as much as they did for us, you did something even greater for all of us and for them. I pray tonight, God, that you would let them know that not only do you care for them, you want them to be with you forever. God, it would, it would be such a shame for any of these men or women and any of those that are here tonight that have risked so much and been blessed so much to not end up being in heaven with the one that loves them the most. God, I pray tonight you would show all of us how much you love us and what you have for us. And bless these men and women in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give them a hand. God bless you. God bless you. Let's stand. Yeah. God bless you. It's an honor to be in the room with these folks. I tell you, this young man's trying to take my job. I'm so glad he signed up for a tour of duty. So uh, maybe you'll give me a couple more years to still do what I do before you take my job. <laughs> I tell you, he did a great job. I tell you, the future is bright when you've got men like this. Don't you think? Makes us feel good. I want you to turn your Bibles to James. We're going to take a little stroll tonight, and we're going to see what tomorrow may bring. What will tomorrow bring? 
When we talk about our country, we talk about people that have paid the sacrifice. Many people have been through some things and they didn't know. They went to bed many nights not knowing what the future holds. I'll never forget years ago when I was in Korea, I stood in that no man's land right between North Korea and South Korea. And I got to stand and we had uh, North Koreans pointing guns at us and the American troops pointing guns at us, you know, making sure that nobody did anything wrong. And it's like you, you didn't know sometimes when you were there what was going to happen. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, but we know who brings tomorrow. And that is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. What will tomorrow bring? James chapter 4. Let's start in verse 5. The Bible says, do you not think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? The Bible says right here, he, that's talking about God, jealously desires. He jealously desires the spirit he has made to dwell in us. Verse 6 says, but he, there again, God, he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, verse 7, verse 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Then the word goes on to say that we're to draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Verse 10 says, Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. And then it says in verse 11, Do not speak against one another, brethren. Wow. What does tomorrow bring? I believe that God is getting ready to do something in our lives. <laughs> I, I, and, and I like this. This is the way most of us sort of want to live our lives now. And, and this is quite humorous. I want time. This is what I want. I want time to sit, to read, to take a nap, and have a snack. Doesn't that sound good? Basically, we want to go back to kindergarten. <laughs> I saw that and I thought I'd share. I had it, but they couldn't get it on the projector. But it was sort of a little cartoon. I want time to sit, to read, to take a nap and snack. Uh, that's a good life, isn't it? But that's not real. <laughs> There's a lot of work that needs to go on. As we grow and as we mature, we have to move from adolescence into adulthood. Say, I'm an adult. You know, my granddaughters have it made. My granddaughters have wonderful parents that were trained by two Christian families. They joined together, and uh, their parents did. But, you know, they've got, my granddaughters have two godly, I believe, godly sets of grandparents that love them. And uh, at Christmas time, they, they get a little Christmas from, you know, mama and daddy, and they get Christmas from one set of grandparents and Christmas from another set of grandparents. How many of you live your life like that? Any of you? Isn't it wonderful? The greatest thing in the world is to have grandkids. Forget the kids, grandkids. That's where it's at. Yeah, I, I think we need to take a vote. How many of you would just jump, jump straight to the grandkids? It's a whole lot easier. Yeah, that would be a blessing. No, I'm just kidding. The truth is, God gives us and he blesses us with exactly what we need. Uh, God, but God right now tonight, you know, our grandkids make us so happy. And when we get home... When I get home, my wife will be driving. We'll both get to Nashville about the same time. She's coming from uh, Mississippi, and I'm coming from Kentucky, uh, back to the promised land. And <laughs> we both can't wait. I'm kidding. <laughs> but we're going to go back home. But guess what? Our grandkids are going to be waiting for us. 
Yeah, we're so excited because once a week, it's usually on Tuesday, but y'all took me away from them and they're not happy that Papa was not with them on Tuesday. But I'll get them on Thursday night. Joan and I will have them and they will pile in our big bed and we'll all pretend we're going to sleep together and they'll all go to sleep. And then mysteriously, something happens in the middle of the night. Papa will take them to their beds. <laughs> but, you know, it's such a good thing. And so it's, I'm really happy to see my grandkids. But sometimes my grandkids I'm not too happy with. You know why? One day, one of my granddaughters looked at her sister and said, I don't like you anymore and took her little fingers and went and my oldest granddaughter had this horrible wicked witch of the west kind of scratch on her face from her sister because they got mad at each other well guess what I, I as the papa of the family when they came in they both came into me and they're looking at me like I don't know how I got this authority in my family God must do that to, to papas they both came in, and both of them were crying, of course. And this was the day after. This is just when Papa found out about it. And I said to the oldest, what did you do to make her do that to you? I was mean. What did she do? I shouldn't have done it. You know, <laughs> they start crying, and they hug, and they kiss, you know, and they've made up. But that was very traumatic. I was so upset with both of them. The Bible says that God is jealous about something. God is upset about something that you and I have done. God's not happy. The Bible says God has a jealous desire for you and me. He jealously wants you and me to give him all the time our undivided attention. Amen? And he's jealous when we go off living our life without him, he's jealous. He's not happy. And I think the church, we in the church, we get so used to doing our own thing because we have freedom in Christ that we forget that God jealously desires us. God is also ready to do something for us. If we will get back with him, if we will submit to him, if we will live in the fullness of his spirit, the Bible says, the next thing in chapter, verse 6, it says, God gives us something. Now, my grandchildren love it when I go off because they're going to get something from me. Every time I go off, I bring back some goodies. Say goodies. Yeah, you know I give goodies. I tell you, I gave you all a book the first day, right? Yeah. Some of the kids I gave bands to, I gave stickers to. I just love goodies. My grandkids have trained me right. Yeah. But God wants to give us something. He's got something for you and me, and it's called greater grace. Say greater grace. Greater grace. Now, what in the world is this talking about? God gives greater grace. The Bible says that God will give this to you. And it's not something freaky. It's not something strange. It's something, God, well, it's something God really wants to give you if you will surrender to him. Now, you think, well, I got saved. How many of you have been saved? Let me see your hands. 
yeah, you're, you're not ashamed of it. You live, yeah, yeah, God bless America, I got saved, yeah. How many of you are, are Kentucky fans? How many of you are Louisville fans? Oh, me, the revival is over. The revival. <laughs> How many of you are Vanderbilt fans? Woohoo! I'm kidding. <laughs> God gives greater grace. And you know, God wants us to get right where He wants us to be. Now, how do we get that greater grace, and what will that greater grace do? You see, when we get saved, the Bible says that we get all. Say all. all. We get the fullness of Christ in us. Christ in us is the hope we have for glory, and for glory here and there. We don't need to ask for a second blessing, a second touch, you know. <laughs> we got it all. How, how much better can you get than all? You can't. How much more God do we need? If you got any of him, you got all of him. Amen? Yeah. So he gives us what we need. When we get saved, the Bible says he indwells us. He's a powerful God. All-knowing God. All-sufficient God. God can do anything in and through us that he wants to do. But when we get saved, the Bible says that God will give us a greater grace. What that means is, as we, <laughs> as we give him more control of more areas of our life, as we surrender more of our lives to him, then what happens is we receive greater insight, greater wisdom, greater power to do what he has for us to do. Now, how many of you would like to see God do something greater with you tonight and tomorrow and the next day than he has ever done before? Let me see your hands. Yeah. You see, the Bible says that he is earnestly, jealously desiring that spirit that is in us to be exercised and to be used. God does not want us to sit back and say, let's let the young people do it. Let's let somebody else do it. No, God says, I want you to do it. God wants to confound the wise using you. I'll never forget my first international mission that I did. I went, and I, and I tell you, back then, I was so ignorant. I, was, I didn't know anything. I was an, I'm still a nobody, but I didn't know a thing. I preached from Genesis to Revelation every sermon. <laughs> and I just was like the Energizer Bunny. I just went on and on and on. But I got to preach in this one church called in Pyeongchang, in Korea. And I was preaching, and, and I was having a great time. But all the other pa pastors like you and preachers like you that knew a lot and had been educated, been to the cemetery and all that stuff. And that <laughs> yeah, amen or oh me. But they got these big churches and these big meetings and, and I'm out in the middle. I mean, I don't even know where I am. I'm so far out. I mean, I am far out. I'm out there with the pigs, the chickens, and the goats, okay? Well, after it's over, we get back and they take us all the pastors and all the evangelists and we go meet and we have this praise time and you know we have a banquet sort of like what y'all had downstairs the food was not as good <laughs> but we did have a banquet and they're talking about well I had this many at my church and I had this many at my church and I had this many decisions and I had this and I said you know I had 140 people at my church and I had 44 decisions well I was way down at the bottom you know just a little didn't amount to nothing compared to everybody else's stuff and I said, after the thing was over, I said, God, I spent every dime I had 
my friends helped me get here. God, is it worth it? The next morning I got up, there was a knock on my door, and a gentleman comes in, he goes, I want you to go with me somewhere. He picks me up, he puts me in this big old car, he, the, whole, the whole time I was there, I never got in a car. I was always riding around in one of those little motorcycle things, you seen those? With the little tin can on the back, with the three wheels, you know, that was what I was used to riding with. But he put me in this big old long car, and they drove me out, and they took me into this big, big, big assembly ground. And when I came through a tunnel, I'll never forget, I went through this tunnel, and when I got through the end of this tunnel, we broke out into this big old field, and there's like 10,000 people there, standing at attention, waiting for somebody to come preach the gospel to them. That man said, this morning I was praying and asking God who I needed to get to come share the good news with these people, and I figured out it's probably a good idea to get an evangelist to do it, so I thought of you. I said, yes. I got so excited, and I got to share the gospel with those folks. And out of those 10,000 people, they estimate that almost 6,000 people said yes. Woo, I got so excited. And you know what God told me? He says, I've got greater grace for you if you'll trust me every morning. Don't worry. Don't let pride fill your heart. It's not about numbers. It's about God's grace. You see, none of us, none of us deserve any grace. How many of you have done things in your life that if we put it up here on the screen, you'd be embarrassed? Come on. How many of you, if, you could, if, if they had just caught you doing what you were doing, you'd probably be in jail right now? Come on. I was talking to the youth director, and he and I both should be in prison. Some of the stuff we were telling, some of the, some of the things we did back when we were kids. Nowadays, they put you in jail for that. <laughs> back then, it was just, all oh, boys will be boys. The truth is, none of us is righteous. There's not one of us that is. But God comes down and rests. He gives us greater grace. Now, how do you receive this greater grace? Number one, look here, it's so easy, submit to God. Submit to God. Is there anything in your life right now that's holding you back from being all that God wants you to be? What is it? Is it laziness? Is it a pet sin? A habit? A lack of faith? Immoral activity? A sin? What is it? Are you willing to give that up? Submit to God. Submit it. Give it to him. You see, most of us seem to think, I got I to gotta quit this stuff, and then God will take me. No, no, no. Just give it to him right now. Don't try to do it on your own, because you can't. Let me tell you, you can't do it on your own. You got to have God working on it, because if you don't, it won't stick, will it? It will not stick. So submit to God. It means you've got to give God everything. That means you've got to know for sure You've got to be positive that you've been born again. You have got God working on your behalf. It's not just something you did when you were a little child that really didn't mean anything to you. You didn't understand it. Listen. <laughs> My wife got saved when she was a little child. And it changed her life. But there's some people. 
that didn't get saved. They've known about God their whole life. They went to vacation Bible school. They've sung the songs. And they've tried to be good. But they've never really surrendered their life to Jesus Christ and said, I believe in you. I want you to be my Savior. But listen, we've had young people this week say yes to God and mean it with their whole heart and confess to their parents, I did this. I'll never forget, I, I was in a revival one time and we had a, a young girl come down the aisle and she walked in like she was in a beauty pageant. Just, oh, aren't y'all glad you got me? Look, I'm, look, mommy, look, mommy, I'm coming down, I'm coming down. That girl didn't get saved. She looked cute, she looked good, and everybody laughed, but guess what? She wasn't submitting to God. She was not surrendering, surrendering her heart to God. She was not confessing her sins. She was not broken with her sinfulness. She wasn't afraid of being in the hands of an angry God. God jealously desires for us to submit our lives to him. And when we do, oh, we get that greater grace. How many of you remember what it felt like when you knew your sins were forgiven? Oh, oh. If that's ever happened to you, you know that you've got that grace. You know that you've got Jesus on the inside. You see, my dear friends, if you've never felt that, if you've never experienced that, if you don't know, you need to know. And says, this isn't just Baptist doctrine, folks. This is truth. This is reality. People that know they're going to heaven, people that know they've surrendered their life to Christ are happier people. They live, <laughs> they live in joy. They live with grace. They live with assurance. They live with God's assurance. God wants us to know. So submit to God. Number two, you need to resist the devil. Resist him means to fight. Now, a lot of veterans are here tonight. Uh, do you resist people? Like when you're trying to go fight somebody, do you stand off and go, oh, yeah, you just stay over there and I'm going to stay over here? Is that how you do it? No. That's how you lose a war, right? You give them a chance to come get you. No, you, you run to the battle. Little David in the Bible, remember little David in the Bible? Goliath was talking against the people of God. He was taunting them day in and day out, talking bad about God, talking bad about their families, talking bad about everybody. And David said, who is this dude? <laughs> who is this guy to come against our God? And the Bible says he ran towards Goliath. Can you imagine that little bitty old guy? No power, no authority, nothing but God. And he took him down with one stone. God wants us to resist the devil. And when we resist the devil, that means it's an aggressive thing. It's something we have to do. Just today, just today, in my own mind, in my own heart, I had to talk to God severely about things that, that I needed a clarity on. And I had to go rebuke the devil, resist him, powerfully resist him with the Scripture. And forcefully proclaim that I'm trusting Jesus in an area of my life that I need God's help and I have to stand against the devil. It's something you don't do once. It's something you do continually. You must resist it because he is looking for a way to get in to destroy your family. Listen, he always stops at, starts at the top, doesn't he? 
in every family, he tries to get the number one authority, the man. And if the man <laughs> surrenders his authority to the devil, I hate to say it, but that's what you're doing, when you don't lead your family, when you don't direct your family, when you're not being spiritual for your family, if you're not leading out in worship for your family, if you're not doing what you should, guess what? Then the devil will start working on the wife. Amen or oh me? Then he'll come down to the children. The Bible says resist him. You want to see that greater grace? Resist him. Then he says draw near to God. Now how do you draw near to God? You pray. You read the word. You know, you pray and talk to God about what's on your heart, what's on your mind. How many of you still do a prayer list? Let me see your hands. Listen, young people, you may not know this. And tonight it may be young people. Anybody under 50 is a young person? <laughs> but there's some that, that are under 30. Drawing near to God means you, you get close to God, you talk to God, you communicate with God. And really what that is, is you take, please, there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with this. Write down what you're going through. Journal, whatever, prayer list, whatever you want to call it. Write it down and then take it and pray it to God. And what you basically do is you say, you know, today, God, I'm having trouble with my friend. Today, I'm mad at mom. <laughs> today, I drove too fast. You know, wh whatever you're struggling with, today, I'm worried about money. Today, I'm worried about this. You know, whatever you have to do. And then take it to God and say, God, fix it. <laughs> Show me what to do. Help me. Get where you want me to be. Now, how, how, how does it work? Well, after you do that, do you just sit around and go, do, 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 No. you got to get in the Word. Because that's how God talks back to you. Do you hear me? Have you heard me any this week saying, God told me and God showed me and God... Do you know where that comes from? There's only been like two times in my whole life where I really felt like, oh my goodness, I heard the voice of God. You know, where I really felt like, Wow, God sort of spoke and, you know, it wasn't the northern lights. <laughs> it wasn't anything like that. It was really, I thought that's God. But the most general way that God speaks to me is right here. As I'm praying about something and I'm just reading the word, God will speak through the word and say, you have what you ask. Listen, my wife... One night, I was out preaching a, a crusade in Ashland City, Tennessee, right on the main square. And I was up there with a heavy heart because my wife had just been told there was a growth in her body. And it was getting bigger. And they were saying they think it's cancer. And she was scared to death. She couldn't even go to the crusade that night. I left her at home and went and was preaching. And through tears, I was preaching because I, I wanted to be home with her. And I'm standing at the altar, praying with people, helping people, sharing the gospel with people. But while I was doing that, my wife was at home on her knees, <laughs> reading the word. And God said, through the word, she's just reading. She's not proof texting. She wasn't looking up on a computer, getting verses about healing or anything. She's just reading the Bible. And, and, and it says, daughter... You are precious to me. And she goes, I, honey, I felt like God said, I'm precious to him. 
and he, she, she said, when I got home that night, she goes, and while I was reading that God thought I was precious, he said he would take care of me in my affirmity. She read it right in the Word. And she goes, and, and when I read that, I felt the power of God go through my body. And I know that he's taking care of me. She says, if I die tomorrow, he knows. If I'm healed tomorrow, he knows. I haven't done anything wrong. He's not punishing me with this. I am his and he loves me. She went from being scared to death to walking in victory. And when she went back to the doctor, the doctor says, you know, that's the strangest thing. But that thing was getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and now we can't find it. Oh, that was no healing oil. It was no anointing. It was no revival service. It wasn't a shandalabanda. Nothing. None of that. <laughs> I watched TV too. It was God. It was God. God didn't. God says, I want to give you greater grace if you'll draw near to me. How do you draw near to him? It's through the disciplines, living a godly, holy life, praying, touch, like reaching out and touching God. Then the Bible goes on to say, cleanse your hands. Now, when you cleanse your hands, how many of you tonight after you ate went in the restroom and cleansed your hands? Yeah. Every kid knows that. Why do you do that? Because you might have dirt on you. I, I went, forgive me, okay, today someone took me on a tour of a horse farm. Okay, forgive me. I had some fun in Kentucky. <laughs> while y'all were working, <laughs> I had fun. And while I was at this horse farm, they told me something. The horses that are really valuable, I saw a horse get sold today for $900,000, and somebody in this church told me, oh, that's nothing. That's, I mean, I'm going, I'm, from, I'm a hillbilly. That's a lot. <laughs> But they said that these horses that are worth a whole lot of money, once, once they have really proven themselves, they put them in a field all by themselves. They clean them up. They purify everything on the fence, every, everything, and they don't even let them get near other horses until they're racing. Am I telling a lie? Why do they do that? I said, why do they do that? Because they don't want them to get any germs because they get germs, and they've spent millions of dollars for these horses, and they don't want them to get germs and die. Because if they die, not only can they not win races, they cannot sire other champions. Well, guess what? God says, I want you to clean up. You want to see God's greater grace? You want to see God do something in your life? You've got to clean up. Take care of those outward things. There's some things that we do that we know everybody knows, Right? Yeah. I mean, it's obvious. God says, I want you to clean up. There's some things you can just say, okay, God, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to do this anymore, and God will give you strength to clean it up. But then go, go to the next one. Then he says, I want you to purify your hearts. Now, that's a little harder, isn't it? See, outward things we can handle. We can just say no. I'm not going to get drunk, I'm not going to do drugs, I'm not going to have sex outside of 
marriage to my wife. <laughs> I'm going to do right. I'm going to live right. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to speed. Then the word says, purify your heart. God does that. That's inward sins. That's inward sins. One day I was at a, a meeting and I was, we were helping, when, when I say we were helping Billy Graham, Billy Graham invited us to be a part of what he was doing, so don't think I'm anything special. Uh, Billy Graham was having a big campaign up in Canada and they invited some of us guys to go help. And while we were there, it was our job to ignite after the festival, the crusade was over, to go and witness to people in the streets. And while we were out in the streets, all of us preacher guys, we were working and we're, we're trying to win people to Christ, but then someone walked by that was really crazy looking. And, and they were a little different. And instead of witnessing to them, we just sort of judged them as a group. I mean, we just sort of looked at them and just watched them walk, walk on by. And uh, somebody said something really crude. Not, not, it wasn't nasty, but they said something that wasn't very nice about the person walking by. And they were supposedly good Christians, the person that said it. And, and none of us rebuked them, none of us said that we just sort of, just sort of sat there. And while the person walked on by, out of the shadows, Billy Graham's brother-in-law comes out of the shadows of a street and goes right up to the person and starts sharing Jesus with them and won them to Christ. Well, guess what I had to do that night? I had to go before the Lord and say, Lord, purify my heart. Purify my heart. Doesn't matter what the other preachers did. I, I thought I was better than them. I thought... Uh, they were beyond you doing anything in their life. God, purify my heart. Listen, if you want to see the greater grace of God, if you want to see God do something in your life every day, if you want to see, the Bible says, signs and wonders follow you as you believe, you're going to have to let God purify your heart. Is there something in your heart that needs to be pure? An attitude, pride, indifference, judgmental tendencies? God says, purify your hearts. Then the Bible says that we need to humble ourselves in the presence of God. Now, folks, this is talking about you and me. This is talking about saved people. You hear me? We've got to humble ourselves in the presence of God. Last night, we had an altar call for those of us that wanted to have holy boldness, and there was seven or eight. Can I say this and don't be mad? Shame on you. Shame on us all. God gave us an opportunity last night to smack the devil in the face. The Bible says, humble yourself. Humble yourself in the presence of God. Not in my presence, not in the pastor's presence, but in the presence of God. If you want to see the earth shake, let God shake you. Let him shake me. God says, I've got something for you. 
I've got something greater than you've ever experienced before. And listen, I'm not talking about spiritual gifts here. I'm talking about the presence of God in your life. You hear me? God wants to do something. Then the Bible goes on to say, number seven, don't speak against one another. <laughs> you know something, Pastor, that I've really enjoyed being here? It's the first church I've ever been in, and I've been here for, what, four services? I've been here four services, and I haven't heard one person. This is a miracle. <laughs> I've not heard one person speak anything judgmental about somebody else not once say amen. amen isn't that good you see when when we can control our tongues <laughs> god can control us when god's got you when you when you won't speak bad about each other or well you know they're pretty good you know the, the evangelist always makes makes trouble because we'll go around and we don't know who's a snake and who's a skunk and who's faithful and who's this is the first time they've been here in 20 years you know we, we don't know do we so you know when we start buddying up with everybody we're hugging on everybody oh yeah ooh, this is good i met so-and-so today usually somebody will say well you know brother so-and-so he's sort of <laughs> you know what i'm talking about but nobody's done that that's why i know revival is so close to being at hand. God's got something for you. God's got something. But there's a warning. The Bible says this warning. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will do these things. Yet, you do not know what life will be like tomorrow. Then the word goes on to say, therefore, the one, to the one who knows the right thing to do and they do not do it, to him it is sin. That's talking about you and me. God wants us to have real revival. And the only way we can do that is to submit to God. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Purify our hearts. Cleanse our hands and draw near to God. We've got to do that. We've got to be willing to humble ourselves before God and say, God, I need you. I need a fresh touch. I need a new spark. Now, my dear friends, tonight, God wants to do something. And you may think, oh, there is no way. But one night, listen, listen, one night, I was out sharing the gospel with people in the streets. And you say that can't happen. Yeah, it does. It happens. And, it, and God will direct your steps. And we were out talking to people. And I was getting ready to leave. And it was getting dusk right about now. And this is the worst time to be outside witnessing. You know, when it starts getting dark like this. Because everybody's trying to go inside. They're trying to go home. And it got a little bit darker and a little bit darker. And I'm walking down the road talking with people. And just sharing the gospel with them. And all of a sudden, I'm big light pops on a street lamp goes on and there's three guys under a street lamp and it's like I'm standing there thinking man I really need to go home <laughs> I want to go home I'm hungry you know I'm tired uh, we've been out in the streets we've got about 60 kids with us and we've all been witnessing and God goes while the kids are getting on the bus you go talk to them so okay so I walk towards them and when I get right right near them I realize that these aren't Sunday go to church kind of people. Okay? Matter of fact, these are people that probably traditionally would not care too much for somebody that looks like me and acts like me and talks like me. And so as I get closer to them, I'm going, oh Lord, 
this could be bad. <laughs> I'm breaking all the rules. I'm by myself. Nobody knows where I am. <laughs> and I'm walking to talk to three men. <laughs> and they might not receive what I say. Get real close to them. And I get about this way. And, and the guy goes, whoa, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I was looking down the street. And when the light came on, I felt like God told me to come tell the person under this light something that God had for him. And he goes, yeah, really. I said, oh, no, seriously. He goes, you know, the last guy that looked like you and acted like you that came down this street, he got shot. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He says, you don't believe me, do you? I say, well, you know, I hear a lot of stuff. I've been a lot of places. And he goes, he goes, no, really, this is a dangerous place. You need to go on back where you come from. And I said, well, I can't. And he goes, why? Because God sent me to tell you something. He goes, listen, man, you ain't got nothing to say to me. And he pulled his shirt up, and he showed me on his stomach, and, and he had this big old gnarly, deformed-looking thing right here. And I go, what is that? He goes, that's where I got shot. He says, I was standing on the street just like this. And somebody came by and shot me. I said, yeah, and that's why God sent me down here. Because if that bullet hadn't hit you right there, but if it hit you right there, where would you be right now? Boy, his head went down. He says, well, I'd probably be, I'd be dead. I said, then where would you be? He said, you'd be in hell, wouldn't you? Yeah. I said, why? He said, because I've done some bad stuff. That's why God sent me to you. His two friends on either side of him stepped back. Oh, man, what are you talking about? Oh, you're going to listen to this man? He doesn't know what he's talking about. And I mean, that man looked right at me, and a tear just came right out of his eyes. And the other guy stepped back, and he stepped forward. I said, listen, God really does care for you. But if you were to die right now, if you don't know him, you really would go to hell. He goes, you don't know what I've done. I said, I can imagine. I said, you don't know what I've done. But God forgave me. And if he can forgive me, he can forgive you. He goes, oh, I wish what you're saying was true. I said, it is. I said, listen, let me tell you the truth. God's in heaven. In heaven, there is no sin. And you and I both have sinned against God. But the only difference between you and me is that when someone told me the truth about Jesus, I believed it, and I believed God, and I asked him to forgive me, and I asked him to save me. And today, if I was to get shot standing right here talking to you, and I was to die right now, I would die, die with a smile on my face because I would go to heaven. And God sent me to tell you that so that you could go to heaven. And he says, oh, I wish that was true. And he just dropped his head. And I said, it is. I said, Jesus died on the cross for you. He says, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. I said, oh, you're everything to God. God's jealous for you. He wants you. You think I would come down here if this wasn't real? You think I would risk getting killed, talking to you, if this wasn't real? And he looked at me like, that's true. And he said, I want to do it. 
I want Jesus. And I said, I'm going to stick my hand out because we don't need to close our eyes and pray, do we? He goes, you're pretty smart. <laughs> I said, I'm going to stick my hand out. And as I stick my hand out, if you want to pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior, you grab my hand. And when I put my hand down, he, death grip. And I said, oh, repeat this after me. And I said, dear God. And he said, dear God, I know I've sinned. Oh, God, you know I've sinned. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe in you. And I said, I don't know everything. I don't know everything. But I'm giving you all I have. I'm giving you all I have. God, God, I love you. I love you. I'll live for you. I'll live for you. Oh, I'm so sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry, but it's gone. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. When I said amen, he said, Woo! <laughs> I jumped back. <laughs> he goes, I think I'm saved. I didn't tell him anything about saved or lost. Or, he goes, I think I'm saved. And I go, what do you say? He said, I feel the peace in my heart. I've never felt this before. I said, well, God has saved you. He has forgiven you. He has cleaned you on the inside. And if you were to die right now, and I said, brother, I pray you don't die right now. I hope you live a long time. I said, but you would go live forever with God in heaven. And listen, some of you tonight, before you can get that greater grace, you've got, you got to get that saved grace. If you've never experienced that, experience that tonight. God loves you. He wants you. He desires you. He's doing everything he can. This church, how long has it been since you've had a revival? How long? Eight years. God set this up after eight years just for you to hear the truth about Jesus in a way that's a little different than what you normally get on Sunday. Isn't that special? Don't you think you're special? Would you say thank you to Jesus tonight? Say thank you, thank you. Yeah. God is good, and he wants you to receive his greater grace. Can you all stand? I want to pray for you right now, every head bowed and every eye closed. Every night we've done this, and every night someone has prayed. God is getting back his people. He's rescuing his children. Tonight, if you've never prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior, tonight you can say yes to him, and he will give you a fresh start, a new life, a clean heart, and eternal life in heaven. Many of you have known about God. You've thought about him. You've tried so hard in the past to even live for him, but you've never really called on the name of the Lord. And tonight, if you don't know for sure, if you died right now, you would go to heaven. Tonight, God has sent us here tonight to tell you, you can know for sure, you can know right now. If you would like Jesus to be your Savior, I'm going to pray this prayer out loud. And if this is the desire of your heart, you just pray this prayer to God and he will hear you. I'm going to go phrase by phrase, and you just repeat it in your heart to him. Here's the prayer. Dear God, I know I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. I'm willing to change with your help. 
Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. Come be my Savior. I surrender my life to you. I commit it all to you. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me power to live for you. Thank you so much for your promise to take me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I'm not ashamed of you. Thank you. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I know everyone in this room, you heard that prayer. But tonight, I want to ask you very tenderly and personally, did you pray that prayer? If you prayed that prayer with me, would you lift your hands to God and, and just say by lifting your hand, I'm not ashamed that I prayed that prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Keep it up for just a second. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Others. Thank you. Thank you. Others. Thank you. You can put it down. Thank you. While no one is looking around, those of you that prayed that prayer, you don't have to look at me, but listen. I want to tell you the truth. The Lord will keep his promise to you. He will keep his promise to you. He will never forsake you because you've surrendered your life to him. To God, it is a big, big deal. And I am so proud of you that you have said yes to Jesus. And right now, the angels in heaven are rejoicing because you've said yes. And God knows that he has delivered you. God bless you. Now, many of you are here tonight, and you want that greater grace because you've been saved a while, and you know you're going to heaven, and you want God to do something in your life special that's different. Not strange, not crazy, not competition with someone else, but you just want to be open to, for God to do in your life what he wants to do. What I want to ask you to do, now listen, this might be hard, but tonight, if you want to give God First place in your life, you want that greater grace. You want to see what God does when you give it all to him. I want you to do something. Pastor, come stand right here in the, in the front. And what I want to ask you to do, if you want that greater grace, if you want God to just use you mightily, and you want to be, you're willing to submit to God, to resist the devil, to purify your heart in the Lord, and to do all the things we talked about tonight. If you're willing to do that, I want some of you to come stand on the left of the pastor and some of you to come stand on the right of the pastor. But those of you that prayed that prayer asking Jesus to save you, or if you're here tonight and you want to join this church, or you're here tonight and you want to be baptized tomorrow night because you've been saved in the past but you've never been baptized, this is what I want you to do during our invitation time. While the music plays, some of you can sing, but those of you that will obey the Lord tonight, I want to ask you, those of you that want the greater grace, you want to see God move in your life, come to this altar and stand facing me, some on the left, some on the right, and leave room in the middle for those that need to come join the church, commit their lives to the Lord, and make a public decision for him. Or come and say, Pastor, I want to be baptized. If that makes sense to you, just sort of nod your head where you are. Does that make sense? Thank you so much.
while the music plays. Pastor, let's see what God does. You prayed that prayer. You come on. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. The Lord's doing a work. When the redeemed of the Lord say so, there's power. There's power in the name of Jesus. It's a public testimony. The devil has lost his stronghold. Just by that one step of obedience, just to come to the altar, you will feel spiritually like the devil has jumped off of your back.